I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New, New England. England. Thank you for coming back for episode four. I know that's a lot of episodes to listen to. So we thank you endlessly. Today's episode is going to be fucked up. Oh my God. It's a good one. And we've been so excited to do it because Katie, this is like your hometown. This is kind of like my hometown. So um, we're going to talk about the case, obviously, but the property where all of this kind of shit went down went up for sale right when I moved to New Hampshire. <laughs> so my dad was joking around like, what if we buy the murder farm? What if we bought the body farm? And I thought he was kidding. I had no yeah. idea. I was like, what? Eight years old, yeah. nine years old. Yeah. I was like, oh, ha, that's so funny. And then Dad, <laughs> I like researched more about it at a young age, scarred myself. But Jesus. Yeah, like what if we bought the murder farm? That'd that would be crazy. Be crazy. <laughs> so we crazy. could be recording in the murder farm the right murder now. Farm. <laughs> Can you imagine? And the people who are listening who have no idea of this case, they're like, the murder farm? Like what yeah. could you possibly <laughs> You guys just wait. Just wait. Oh my god, and there's so much to this case. Oh my god. It's a crazy one. It's it's another one where you kind of have to be like, okay, if you need to hug your cat, if you need to drink some alcohol, whatever you do, do it. straight. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Um, but if you're from New Hampshire, like we are, and you know, I talk to a lot of my family and friends about just like, oh, what do you think of this case? A lot of people do know about it because yeah. if you're from our area, because it's that fucked up. Oh, for sure. And it's not that far in the past. No, it's, it's like recent. 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, we were alive, which is scary. Just being alive, I think, is scary. <laughs> but the fact that we were literally, I've lived in the same town my whole life, which right. is about three miles from this town. So very scary. It's so crazy. We've gotten a lot of input from a lot of good places. So it'll be a great episode, guys. It'll, it might be a long one, but who cares? Yeah. But before we get into the case, um, Liz, I believe you have some news. Oh, yes. Big deal. If you remember at the beginning of this podcast so long ago, all those episodes ago, we were talking about how Katie is a psych nurse and I was studying for the boards to become a nurse. Well, I passed. So I am officially a nurse and oh, I, yeah. I'm very excited. So excited. I have been telling everyone Good. and anyone who even says something like oh my back hurts i'd be like well i'm a nurse so <laughs> i can give you this advice legally i'm a nurse now yeah um, so licenses of yesterday yeah. So. yeah so it's i'm very excited i wanted to share that with everyone because i cannot shut up about it very excited it's a huge accomplishment thank you i appreciate it you of, of all you know and, and yeah, and maybe the few of my mom's friends who listen when she posts on Facebook who Hi. are also nurses. <laughs> Hi. And my grandmother, who, fun fact, has Bluetooth head um, hearing aids. No way. So when she listens, she literally has us in her ear canals. Wait, that's, that's sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's shout so out to cool. Grammy for that, because that's pretty dope. Wow, technological advances. I these know. Days. What, I mean, and here we were first episode talking about MapQuest. <laughs> yeah, Look at where, how we've grown in such a short <laughs> amount of time. But anyway, we're definitely going to get into this case. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I hope you guys stick around. And without further ado, this is the case of Sheila Labar. talking about Sheila Labar, who is the murderer, not the victim. Yeah. This woman is not the victim, and you will find out very soon. So as Katie was saying, with the 
uh, you almost lived on the murder farm, which is crazy. (laughs) This woman lived on a farm in Epping, New Hampshire, and she, it wasn't her farm. No. She pretty much (laughs) stole it, um, and she did murder some people on this farm. Yeah. So that's where it gets its name. The cool thing that I have, and I asked for his permission, it was a little tidbit that my father gave me about Sheila Labar. No way. He told me about this case a long time ago. He's the reason why I'm into true crime. Uh, He's the OG, uh, murderino kind of guy here. He's crazy. Um, He told me that when I told him that we were doing Sheila Labar, he said, oh, damn it, I wish I would have known. I wish my friend's sibling or whatever was still live nearby, living nearby because her husband did work for Sheila at her house. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So apparently she he did like carpentry okay. for her. And he and I quote, my dad was like, he was always like, that lady was fucking creepy. Oh my no, god. Swear to God. So he got like a vibe from her. Yes. And this of course was before she was caught. Holy shit. Yeah. And I just thought that was crazy. I was like, this is really a connection here. Yeah. So thank you, Dad, for giving me some insight. Damn straight. Because I was like... Both our dads with this case. What the hell? <laughs> small world, I guess. Yeah. Blows my mind. Small world, small town. <laughs> it's it's New England. Yeah, there you go. What can you say? That's the beauty of true crime New England. It's almost like that's the title of our our show. Isn't that so crazy? Like the the synopsis. The whole... <laughs> like the whole premise. <laughs> You're really good for picking up on that. <laughs> Thank you. I like to think that I'm smart sometimes. You are. Thank and now that we've uh, just flirted with each other, <laughs> we're going to go over, as we always do, our yeah. sources. So, Katie, do you have um, some sources you want to say? Murderpedia, of, of course. course. A classic. Wikipedia was good, too. Yeah. Um, I kind of take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, just, just for some information. Yeah. Um, and then... This website, Military Justice for All, did a really cool article on one of the victims. I got something from um, there, too. They had some really nice pictures, too, that we yeah. have up on our Instagram. Um, and then Seacoast Online, which is, like, for those of you that don't know, it's, like, our local, like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, a it's, good local source of information. Yeah. Like, if something here makes it to Seacoast Online, it's like, <gasps> what? what happened? Did you see the Seacoast Online article? <sighs> oh, my gosh. So Seacoast Online, of course, covered this. Yeah. I had also Military Justice mm-hmm. for All, Seacoast Online. I watched a documentary on YouTube. Their account was called Best True Crime Documentaries. Sweet. And it was on Sheila Labar. I believe that was the title. I also um, read an article from True Crime Daily that was about her. And I got a something from like the library in a town nearby. Sweet. Um, written by Claire Chapasso. And it was called Sheila Labar Ruled Sane. Bum bum. Wait until <laughs> you listen and you'll find out why. <laughs> All right. So, getting so into this motherfucker. <laughs> so Katie, much. where do we even begin? <sighs> this bitch is... Oh, you know what? I actually know where to begin. Sheila Bailey was born on July 4th, 1958. Real quick, just real quick. That's my dad's birthday as well. Stop. <laughs> so, just again, dad, hi. Yeah. He wasn't born in 1958. I should probably specify that. <laughs> he's, he's a lot younger than that. Not a lot. Like It wasn't like he was a baby. Right, but like, within reason. Never mind, guys. He knows that he wasn't born in 1958. But anyway. <laughs> hi, dad. Hi, hi, dad. Um, and because of this birthday, July 4th, she was given the nickname Firecracker. Katie, how accurate is that? 
with her bright red hair and her personality and her birthday, it was like a pretty fitting nickname, oh. a pretty fitting childhood nickname. Oh yeah. So Sheila was born in Alabama, mm-hmm. Fort Payne to yep. be specific. So while that obviously is not New England, trust me, we're getting there. She makes it in here. Yes. <laughs> clearly. And you know, it's kind of sound, we don't know a lot about her childhood, but it doesn't sound really good. No. Kind of sounds like she was, she was definitely sexually abused by her father and her father, and this disgusts me, her father would pass her around to other yeah. men. So Very, very sad. And she was like six. Like she was a little girl. She, she was a child, right? The trauma history already is, it's so sad. You can never go in a great direction when you start off like that, (laughs) which is really sad. Um, She really wanted to be an artist and a model, and she was a beautiful lady, no doubt, like, about it, but she, that was what she wanted to do. She wanted to be an artist and a model, and that did not happen. Not even a little. Nope. She sought out her first husband, and we say first because there are more to follow. Oh boy. Um, and it kind of just, it hit the fan from there. Now, see, she married her first husband, John. He was a lineman, which I guess means like they put up electrical lines and stuff. I had to look okay. into that. Um, but, you know, they're always the ones like on the poles and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, on the like treetops, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So she married him at 19. And he had a, a daughter already, so she instantly became a stepmom. This was not her calling. I don't believe she ever had any biological children. No. Thank God. Yeah. Because she would... <laughs> we don't need to spread those genes. No, no. But so she was a stepmom at 19, and this daughter, she was young. She was like a little kid. Um, her And there's a report of the little girl saying that when daddy would go to work... Sheila would give her some candy, and she would get sleepy, and then Sheila would put her in the closet. Jesus Christ. So there's no wonder that that marriage lasted six weeks. How much can you tell? Like, that's fucked up. Oh my god. I can't deal with her. That's not even, like, the most fucked up part that we're gonna talk about. That's, like, the the icing on the cake. Yeah, we're, like, scraping the surface here. It's like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. Now, it's not too long after that she marries her second husband. Of course. Ronnie Jennings. This is all in Alabama still, I believe, by the way. Um, She took out her frustration on him. She abused him. Not the other way way around, like a lot of people, you know, think in these kind of things. Sure. No, she was abusing him. Um, And he left her. (laughs) Surprise! Bye! (laughs) Please leave. Can you... um, How long can you tolerate that? Right. And, you know, it's so hard to get out of abusive relationships. So those poor men must have been, you know, it's terrible. It's crazy. So this is when she overdosed on pills. Mm -hmm. And then, well, she took a whole bunch of pills, got in her car, and then subsequently crashed her car. Of course. As you do. Of course. So this led to her being committed to a psychiatric facility. Um, There were, some of my sources had different things about why she was committed, but overall it was like a suicide attempt, and there was a diagnosis of schizophrenia floating around, but the most prominent thing that I saw in my sources was it was a suicide attempt. Right. Um, While she was there, she was sexually assaulted by an orderly that worked there, so she can't escape the... It's terrible. It's it's horrible. And, you know, no matter who you are, getting sexually assaulted, physically, whatever it is, that's just, that's just awful. No, yeah, nobody deserves that. So, and, I mean, of course, it kind of makes you think, all right, I think that may have part of the reason why she's the way that she is. For sure. And that really sucks. Like, it's really sad that that's what had to happen in her life. And to have that be the foundation of a child being so young. Terrible. 
terrible. Literally, an article I read said that it was like she was a sexual toy. That's awful. As a child, it breaks your heart. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm -mm. But, you know, after this, well, what happened was, you know, she claimed that she died and came back to life. And so her thing was, was that she went to heaven, saw God, spoke to him a little bit, and he sent her back to be an avenging angel. Ah, yes. Which is so beautiful. <laughs> wow. It would be beautiful if she, she like, like, took it donated. in the direction that you think. Right. right. She, like, went and worked at charities on the Right. <laughs> Became a nun yeah. and devoted herself to the Lord. No. Love that. Oh, like, no, no. opposite direction. Yeah, she, she took this in, like, a way opposite direction. She, I mean, like, you would think you would go well. And she just was like, you know what? Fuck that. <laughs> Crazy shit. No, she's not right. She's not right, and we'll get into that, obviously. Right. So, in the 80s, this is when she's prowling for another man's. Of course. And lucky Sheila, she answers an ad in the paper. Now, she's still in Alabama at this point, mm-hmm. but she sees an ad for an older man. He's a chiropractor, and he's widowed, and he's lonely. He's looking for someone to just be his company. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So this is where Sheila is placed in Epping, New Hampshire. So the man's name was Dr. Bill Labar. He was very well off. Um, he was a chiropractor in Epping. He had so, his own practice. Yep, his own practice. Yep, very cool. This amazing 115-acre horse farm. He was very well off. Um, she liked this. She, oh, she liked it. She was attracted to this. So although she was 34 years younger than him, um, people thought that Bill was also attracted to her because of her youth, right? Her beautiful bright red hair, and she just had this charisma about her, right? So. She was manipulative. Oh yeah, and she was also hot, I guess. Sure. They. She was actually known for being very scantily dressed. They called her Sheila the Pila, <laughs> um, because she would literally take off all her clothes all it's the so time. So ridiculous. Like someone would knock on the door and she'd answer. Like think of like in a steamy like rom com where she's like in a like a slip like a little light satin robe. Yeah, yeah, just a robe. Yeah. Right, right. And she's like, oh, and she like undoes the belt. Like really, <laughs> that was her. She answered the door often. I wasn't expecting you. Yeah, and then yeah, she exactly. and you hear. It's like a shot of their feet. Yeah, yeah. So that was what Sheila was doing. That that was like Sheila in a nutshell, basically. And it's, I wish that was us being overly dramatic, but it's not. It's not. And the sad part is, is that she was with Wilfred, um, Mm -hmm. or Dr. Bill um, Labar, and she was living at his horse farm, and she would do this to other men, like in front of him. Mm -hmm. The weird part is they never got married. She took his last name, though. Yep. I don't know where that makes sense, but fine, no fine. So she took, that's when she becomes Sheila Labar. Yep. Um, even though she's not married to him, it's very obvious that, like, he's looking for, like, the romantic side of it for, sure. for Sheila, and she's, like, bringing home all these men. She Yeah, she's just kind of taking advantage and doing as she pleases. So another thing, too, about this is that Sheila became Bill's DPOA, so this... Um, it's kind of like a durable, it's a durable power of attorney. So if anything were to happen to Bill or he were to be compromised in any way, like, um, unable to advocate for himself or make his own healthcare decisions, Mm -hmm. Sheila would be in charge. Interesting. Of like everything. His health, his farm, Mm -hmm. everything, his wealth, his practice. And Bill had 
children from a previous marriage and Sheila had worked very hard and was successful in alienating him from his own children. Yes. So that was really sad. She was very manipulative in the way that she could get anyone to believe her and listen to her. So when she wanted to get his adult children out of the way, no problem. She could do it. Yep. And she did. She sure did. So when Bill passed away, suddenly from a heart attack at the age of 74, it didn't come as a surprise to anyone else that she inherited the farm, but mm-hmm. his children were like, uh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. And this is in the year 2000. Yeah, it's not too... Re- like, that's pretty recently. Yeah. That was not too long ago. So, what the fuck? Now, in this time, like we said, she was bringing home men, despite being technically like in a romantic relationship, a romantic manipulative relationship with Dr. Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. Love Barr, I'm sorry. Um, there's a few different specific cases or people that spoke against her at her trial later. Um, one man she brought home was Wayne Ennis. He was a migrant uh, farmer from Jamaica. She ended up marrying him while she lived with Bill and he lived with them. Like she moved Wayne into Right? Like, you can't make this shit up. I can't. I wish I could describe your face right now. (laughs) Like, you can't make this shit up. So petty and loves attention. It's very bizarre, too. It's very bizarre behavior. Yeah. Like, I don't know anyone who would do that. No. That takes a lot of balls, first of all. First of all. So, she moved him into the farm. And there's actually reports, and Wayne later testifies to this. Sheila, like, was telling him, we need to get rid of Bill. We need to get rid of Dr. Labar. And he later went forward and was like, uh, yeah, she basically asked me to kill him. Oh, true story, guys. Um, one day, Wayne went to Bill and told him that this is what she had said to Wayne to say, hey, we need to get rid of Bill. I don't know what happened here, but Bill, well, he had told, Wayne had told Bill that he was also scared for himself. And so Bill put him on a bus, got him out of there, never saw Wayne again. Oh my God. So that was really selfless of Bill to be like, you need to get out of here. Like, you need to go be safe. Save yourself. Because she was, not to mention Sheila, was abusing Wayne as well. Oh, and that's not even the last of it. There's Wayne. He goes, they were married, right? That was her third husband. Now she meets James Brackett. And this is in the late 80s. He's a young man who has a very low IQ, and he's very susceptible to mm-hmm. manipulation. As we'll find out, that's her type. Yep. Unfortunately. He stayed on the farm with Sheila and Bill until he passed for five years. This is the whole time. The whole time she was physically abusing him so bad that neighbors... And this is a horse farm, so it's like... There's no one close to you. It's huge. It was 115 acres, you guys. Like, it's not like there's someone right next door able to peek in the windows and check on these people. Oh, yeah. People knew that this man was being abused. Like, he was... When he'd go on public, he'd have bruises and scratches and cuts and... There was no... Like, that's something you do to yourself. That's something clearly someone else is doing to you. So, um... She was actually... This just blows my mind. In 1998, she was... (laughs) charged with second degree assault for allegedly stabbing James in the head with scissors. Now here's where it gets all fucking weird. Because James is easily manipulated um, manipulated, he doesn't have a high IQ, meaning like he's like cognitively impaired, mm-hmm. um, which is no big deal. It just means that he was more 
susceptible to this kind of thing, he which was is way more at risk, and he yeah. wasn't able to advocate for himself. Exactly. Totally unfair to him. And she, you know, stabbed him literally in the head with scissors, and she managed to get James, I don't know how this happens, to sign over, like, be her power, like, her being his power of attorney, mm-hmm. and signed over and dismissed the case. So once she got power of attorney, she was like, this didn't happen, and she threw away the case. That's, it's so sad. So basically in that situation, um, once again, like, she took over his his care, basically. Yep. So she was kind of able to step in, and so normally those things are in place where someone can't speak for themselves and be their own voice. Mm-hmm. Someone can do so for them, but, yeah. like, in this case, we see that it, it really works it's it's horrible so she basically dismissed her own case yep um and that's like you said in 2000 dr labar died he died of natural causes quote Quote unquote (laughs) (laughs) um of hypertension and coronary artery disease which is definitely possible that's something that's um unfortunately common in older adults yeah he was 74 he wasn't like thin he was a little overweight that's something that happens kind of adds up Believable, sure. But then you have like Sheila. <laughs> yeah, you have the whole um, the whole aspect here. Oh, and the the crazy part is that she insisted he be cremated, like immediately. Yeah. She was like, "Please, right here, take him." Curious. Interesting. No one that's ever not guilty has done that. And his poor children. They didn't. They were kind of suspicious about the whole change of hand with the farm documents right. and everything, and why she was able to take over and. They weren't able to get anything of it. That was like that was their, that was their biological father. Right. Like they have a right to that. Yeah, absolutely. And they, you know, they didn't really kind of, they didn't really suspect anything at first. But then once the rest came out about Sheila, they kind of put two and two together, and they they said, you know, the death of my father was extremely suspicious. Yes, because he was found on the kitchen floor, right, and then of course immediately cremated. Interesting. They did do an autopsy, which is why I told you, you know, he had hypertension and coronary Mm. artery disease, but it was ultimately that he died of a heart attack. Curious. (laughs) I almost wonder if there are ways you can make it look like a heart attack. I'm just going, I'm crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, This is just basically where it starts. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is where we get the ball rolling here. Oh, boy. As if it wasn't already hurtling down the mountain we, we, we are to pick up from traction yes exactly high speed right high now speed so i think it's time we talk about her first well i guess arguably not her first victim her first fatal victim. fatal victim mm-hmm. that we know of that we know of right um this poor and you know you read these articles and you watch these videos and your heart just breaks listening to the family talk about their loved one who was murdered Now, this one is especially hard because, as I kind of told you with some of her previous abuse victims that Mm -hmm. she abused, she went for men with low IQs um, or that were, had cognitive impairments, Mm -hmm. ways that they were easily manipulated and she could use as much as she wanted. And that was her thing, as unfortunate as that is. And that didn't stop um, with her victim, Kenny County. He was, I mean, you see his picture and you're like, he looked like such a nice guy. And that's what his mother said. His mother said he was so sweet, so kind, so loving. Even from a young child, you could tell that he yeah. was just a loving little boy and so such a good person. He was. And, 
you know, in the documentary I watched, um, his mother was, she was a huge part of this documentary. She was, Carolyn was her name, mm-hmm. very sweet, talked so highly of her son. Kenny, about like one and a half, she noticed he was making like clicking noises, and she learned soon after that these were called petite sh- seizures. Um, they took him in for a brain scan and found out that the left side of his bread, his, of his bread, the left side of his brain didn't grow. So he only had the right side of his brain. That's crazy. Yeah. And so for people who are like, how is that possible? You can absolutely live with, you know, just one side of your brain. Yeah. Each side of your brain does different things. I'm not going to go into that because I know I'm a nurse, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what the left side of the brain does specifically. It does some things. Like that are language and. Yeah, yeah. Enough where. He was mentally, um, you know, like a 12-year-old in his adult life. Yeah. Um, Nothing of his fault, nothing he did wrong. That was just how he was born. Um, And so this makes him very easily swayed and easy to abuse, unfortunately. Um, Kenny was someone he wanted everything like a normal person would want. He wanted love. He wanted a job. He decided to join the army, um, which was really great. He went down to Massachusetts and did boot camp. And the day before he was supposed to graduate, he, you know, they called his mom and said that he wasn't going to be graduating. And this devastated Kenny. Of course. So He worked so hard. And then they were like, Sorry, he's not graduating. That's so sad. And you guys, we have um, a photo of him in all his military yeah. gear. He looks so happy. Yeah, it's up does. on our Instagram for this episode. Um, but it's it's really nice to kind of see him happy, happy, and um, it's so horrible. Carolyn said that he looked like a totally different guy. He was lean and like he had definition, mm-hmm. and he just genuinely was very happy. And so when this happened, obviously he was just destroyed he felt so bad and it's I can't blame him um he actually attempted suicide shortly after this um he it did not succeed he lived um but he was obviously very upset Mm -hmm. as you you know anyone yeah oh god definitely now this is where we kind of get to the point where Sheila meets Kenny yes so soon after she meets Kenny County um, they met kind of on a dating site. Some sources I say they met through like a personal ad or dating, right. but they met through one of those lines. Right. Um, and they drank and they ended up having sex in her car outside of her house in Epping, mm-hmm. um, the farmhouse. Yep. Um, and soon she works to begin to isolate him from his family, much to his mother's concern. Yes. So he actually moved into her farm like a week later like very quickly she, she was moving not, fast yeah she didn't waste any time she knew what she was doing mm-hmm. this was she obviously did not waste any time she saw someone she was able to take advantage of and she jumped, she moved she yeah. jumped right on it so i think it needs to be said that the whole time from when they met to when he was killed was about a month very quickly she mm-hmm. yeah she did not fuck around mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's terrible Carolyn was worried about her son because she had regular contact with him and then suddenly it like was slowing down. And the weird thing about Sheila, just the one weird thing, um, is that she had this thing about recording phone calls and conversations she had. It was like an obsession of hers. It was so bizarre, like cassette tapes on cassette tapes of her recording her conversations. And the thing is, with all of these conversations, she was leading them, and she was accusing P 
people trying to get incriminating evidence mm-hmm. on these people that didn't even exist. No, she was obsessed with the fact that... So, remember when we talked about how she she thought that she died and came back to life and met God and that she came back as an avenging angel? Yeah, oh, how she could She thought that it was her calling to find men who she thought were pedophiles and kind of eliminate them. So she Literally. was, the, like, fully delusional. Yep. Kenny, in no way, shape, or form, was a pedophile, nor were any of these men. Nope. They, um, and it's confirmed that they were not. It's This is, like, this is like possible, right? Yeah. She's fully delusional. There's something completely not right. <gasps> so Kenny's mom actually filled out a missing persons report with the state of Massachusetts. Um, she was very, very worried about her son, and she ended up really losing contact with him, and she was concerned about his overall well-being. Oh, yeah. So, the missing persons report out of Massachusetts, the description mentioned that Kenny was picked up by a woman in a black Cadillac, and immediately Epping police knew where to look, because yeah. one of Sheila's many quirks was that she drove a black Cadillac, and it was very definitive, like, oh, hello. In like, Epping, this woman New Hampshire? Is, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is our woman right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Epping police knock on Sheila's door, and... Kenny appeared fine, and they said, you know what, Kenny's an adult, and if he wants to be here, he can be here as long as he's here willingly, and Kenny said, yep, I'm here willingly, I want to be here. He seemed happy. Sure. Looked fine. Wasn't bruised or cut, he looked good. Looked, yep, talking for himself, answering the door, everything's good. Yep. Um, You know, police couldn't do anything, left it at that. And that was it. Um, Which is fucking sad, because guess what? Wasn't just that. No. Um... Carolyn was constantly asking the police to go check on her son, mm-hmm. especially when it got to the point where she, uh, Sheila had manipulated Kenny so badly that he had her believing, had she had Kenny believing that his mother had sexually abused him and, like, was molesting him. Wow. So she was tricking him and was, you know, he is easily manipulated uh, because he's not, um, he has the IQ of a 12-year-old mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand fully, so he's, like, getting these lies fed into his head, he starts to believe them. So he stops answering his mom because he suddenly thinks, well, Sheila said she abused me when I was little. And then she started to spin the tale to him that he was a pedophile. That's so sad. And he believed her. She manipulated him to believe her. Mm -hmm. Wasn't his fault at all. He just was more susceptible to that, which is awful. Yeah, and I think with anybody, too, once you you think that you trust somebody and you have this relationship or so you think with them and they start telling you things, that's a lot. what a lot of victims of abuse mm-hmm. have to get over is, you know, these lies were fed to them and they were manipulated and isolated from everybody. Oh, yeah. Now, this is when um, the last time Kenny was seen in public. Mm-hmm. There's actually a photo of it. I don't know where they got this photo. It's on our Instagram, too, as well. Oh, it's very sad. It's a picture of Kenny. He's in, a like, a those wheelchairs you get, like, at Walmart mm-hmm. or at a shopping center. So he's at Walmart with Sheila. He's in the wheelchair. He's pretty much gray is how I would describe yeah, him. Ashen. He, yeah, he had gashes on his face. Mm-hmm. Bruises. He, yeah, he was slumped over. He looked very weak and thin. Emaciated. Yeah. Like, he... His picture and the way it's up on our Instagram, you guys, is his military photo. Mm-hmm. And then you scroll over one and you see the photo of him in the Walmart. And it's, it's like, it's chilling. He's just a, like He's a different guy. It's completely different. It's like, it's two different people before you. Yeah. And Sheila was purchasing diesel gas cans. 
And so the picture is him in a wheelchair, and he has two big yellow mm-hmm. diesel gas cans on his lap. That she is placing on his lap for him to hold. Um, and then it was actually the police that ran into Kenny yeah. and saw this. And this is just a few weeks after they had knocked on the door, and he had answered and said, I'm fine, I want to be here. So the police had just literally seen Kenny at Sheila's house a few weeks ago. Like a matter of weeks ago. And he Not even. Perfect. Yeah. And so they're like, whoa. What the fuck happened? And you know what? They did nothing. Nope. They took it in. Um, they described him as ashen in color, that he was in a Walmart wheelchair. They had asked him, hey, Kenny, are you okay? And he just remained silent and refused mm-hmm. to talk to them. Um, and this is all coming from Epping Police Detective Sean Gallagher. Mm-hmm. He was the very man who had gone to Sheila's house to check on Kenny. Yes. And now, the really, really fucking sad part is that it was two days later, Sheila Labar murdered Kenny mm-hmm. County. She claims that she stabbed him, dismembered him, and then set his body on fire on a mattress in her backyard or in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Using the gas cans that she made Kenny carry for her. Isn't that... If that's not sadistic, I don't that's know what like, is. It's just, it's unbelievable to wrap your head around. This poor man. So, five days after the police had seen Kenny in the wheelchair, they receive a phone call from Sheila. (laughs) Um, She informs them that Kenny had left and that he was a pedophile and that she was going to play them a tape proving that he was a pedophile because she has the thing with the the recording the phone calls and recording conversations. And so she plays this tape over the phone um, I don't know if you listened to the audio or I anything. I didn't know. It, like... Disgusting. Chills. Yeah. My, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Um, if you guys... Sorry, the purring. If you guys hear purring, that's my cat, Salem. <laughs> She's an all-black cat, by the way, yeah. as you would guess. Perfect. Matches Katie's aesthetic <laughs> perfectly. But anyway... Um, so this tape that she plays for the detectives over the phone... I didn't listen to it. It's... But I heard what it was said. She's berating Kenny, like yelling at him, screaming at him in his face. She's accusing him of being a pedophile. Yeah. And you can hear him vomiting. She's like she's, physically attacking him as she's... And she's yelling at him, screaming at him, stop throwing up. Why are you throwing up? Yeah. You're a pedophile. Admit that you're a pedophile. Yeah. And then at the end, you hear telltale sounds where Kenny passes out. He literally faints. And she goes, why are you passing out? You're faking it. You're mm-hmm. not really passed out. And she's, keep in mind, she calls the police herself and says, Kenny left me. Here's a recording. And then plays that. She's like handing it to them. So clearly she was not right in the head. And of course this led the police to be like, what the fuck? Yeah, oh, Kenny left. Let's check in with his mom. Hmm. His mother had not seen nor heard from Kenny. So this is no. where they really knew that something was amiss, that something was going on here. Oh, yeah. So, to Carolyn's begging, they finally went over to the farm. Mm -hmm. They needed a lot of prompting throughout this whole thing from Caroline, and I don't think that someone's family member should be begging and pleading the police to do their job. No. It is their job to do a wellness check if you want someone to do a wellness check on your child with an IQ of 12, or with the IQ that's equivalent of a 12-year-old. Go check on the kid. Like, I'm not understanding their... Their hesitancy. Thank you. Yep. Like, what the fuck? There was clearly... They saw him in the Walmart, and they're like, Bye! 
Refusing to talk to us and he looks like shit, huh? I'm curious. No big deal. Anyway, back to the cruiser. Like so annoying. Give me a break. So you know, finally these cops go. They go to the, her fucking farm and they find evidence that Kenny did not just simply leave. They see the first thing that tips them off, and this is such a minute detail, but to me it was like that's pretty smart. His shoes were just sitting like in the in the living room mm-hmm. or whatever, and they were like, oh, well, they're his shoes, so he couldn't have run away. And she said, I bought him new shoes at Walmart. You saw me, which was true. She did. And they were like, that's fair. I guess he left in those. Oh, no, no. They went downstairs. His new shoes were sitting just like right on the steps, you know? Yep. They were there. So they were. that's what tipped them off. Yeah. Of all things, his shoes. Thank God. Thank God. God. So as they were walking up to the house before they even got inside, they noticed a burn pile. So before they're even like knocking on the door to announce their presence to Sheila, they start poking around the burn pile and they find a piece of flesh and a bone. So they knock on the door, um, Sheila opens it, and they find the house in complete and total disrepair. Um, Sheila had turned the horse farm, it seems, into a rabbit farm. She was obsessed with rabbits. Which, I mean, can't blame her. No, Love me a good cute. bunny rabbit. <laughs> so but cute. this was like a hoarding situation. But, yeah, this is like what you see on like Animal Planet with hoarding cases. Oh, like, it was disgusting. There's rabbits running amok around the house. She was obsessed yep. with rabbits. She, it's like, it was disgusting. There was rotting food in the sink. Yep. Um, and then they noticed Kenny's shoes. And when they asked her about the shoes and then the burn pile, right. she asked them to leave. And right. so without a search warrant, they, they do have to listen to her. And so they left. Got a search warrant. And they were back. (laughs) Next day, I think, is what it was. Next day. Next morning. And you know who wasn't smart enough to leave? Sheila. Sheila. They actually find her... It's so crazy. They actually find her covered head to toe in ashes. So weird. Like, it's almost like... It just... So innocent. (laughs) I often take baths in soot. Right. She couldn't possibly be hiding anything, right? No, it's exfoliating. (laughs) It's great. It's exfoliating. Like, what's going through her head? Charcoal face and body mask? Yes, of course. (laughs) So, Um, it's, like, absurd. It's gross. And she had a a fire burning. Yep. Like, in her backyard, I think, or on the property. Oh, yeah. They asked her, Sheila, what's burning in there? Yeah, what's going on, Sheila? And she literally said, I have the quote right here. Could be a rabbit, or it could be Ken- uh, a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And there then they were like, so people don't just like say that. Right. They're like, oh, maybe we do have a job to do here. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were, you know, looking around and poking through that pile, and they mm-hmm. asked again. They found a garbage bag full of soot and debris and like burned clothing, and you could kind of tell that there was like bone fragments. And they asked her, what is this, Sheila? She laughed and said, that was Kenneth. Like you. I, I don't know. It's, it's like insane. <sighs> um, so when they found the bone fragments and obviously this evidence and mm-hmm. with her statement right there, they weren't able to find the bone that they had originally found. Right. But due to the bone fragments and the other evidence, this became the largest crime scene in New Hampshire state history because the property was 115 That's acres. They, who knows what she has out there? It, right. It's it's just... So they search the home some more, more thoroughly, mm-hmm. um, and they're going into the rooms of this huge farmhouse, um, and they find rabbits, of course, <laughs> but what's really chilling is they find these rabbits just kind of wandering freely in the house, 
and they find them wandering and walking across blood splatter in several of the rooms. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you guys know this, but rabbits, like, in nature aren't usually carnivores. (laughs) They typically enjoy a good leaf or berry. Sure. Green leafy veggies. Mm, I love that for them. Not the taste of human blood. Right. So... They use like a black light, and they said that they found blood stains all over her house, mm-hmm. all over the place. There was clearly something going on there. And so, of course, they are doing thorough searches now, they were at least. And so, that means going through everything, including the septic tank. Including the septic. So, what they do is they flush the septic and they end up finding a birth certificate. So, they clean off the birth certificate and they go to read it. And to their surprise, it is made out to, and it, it belongs to a man named Michael Delage. And it's funny because you'd think it would be for Kenny County. Of course. Because she obviously just killed him. No, this is uh, Michael Delage. So now we're on victim number two. Yes, that is known. He, Kenny County and Michael Delage are the only two known victims. Mm-hmm. So about Michael Delage, this was in 2005. Um, He was from Connecticut, and he was estranged from his wife and his child. Mm -hmm. So he uh, had a substance abuse problem, and this, of course, in no way makes him at fault for what's about to happen. But he was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. He was living in a homeless shelter, and this is when he met Sheila. Um, She offered him a nice warm bed and, you know, work at the farm to, like, make up for it. I mean, I can't say I blame him in being like, okay, that's better than a homeless shelter. That's a really good situation. Yeah, why would I go back to... Sure. In Hampshire winters? Are you kidding me? You guys, we've talked about it. It's not pretty. It's brutal. So yeah, why would he want to go back to a homeless shelter when he has this... It's a job opportunity and he's got a room and board and food. A way to kind of fix himself up. Sure. Get himself back on track. And the crazy part is that I read an article in... Deloge's stepdad had met Sheila. Mm-hmm. They had actually all like played cards and like had a grand old time. Yeah, there's a photo of all three of them together on our Instagram too. It's a good photo of Michael. Yeah, it is. He's very handsome. Um, and it, I, I mean, it blows your mind because the stepfather comes forward and is like, all of a sudden he just stopped talking to us and she stopped talking to us. And that's when they realized something's wrong because something's he never contacted them again. Right. Now, this is kind of where, you know, we have the pattern with Kenny County. Mm-hmm. Sheila sent Donna, which is Michael's mother, a video of Michael. And he had scratches and bruises all over himself. How peculiar. That's not something you really necessarily do to yourself. Right. And there was even one time where Donna came forward and said that Michael had said that he thought his girlfriend was trying to kill him. And that was Sheila Lavar. So... Just like with Kenny County, this bitch, she managed to convince Michael that he was a child molester. He was not. No. He was not. And she got it in his head that, you know, he was a bad person and then got it in her own head that he was. And that was her justification for killing him. It's so awful. And then once they found this birth certificate and were able to start asking around, like, who the hell is this guy? Who is Michael Delage? Why why is he at this farm and let's place him at the farm. Yeah. Eyewitnesses started to come forward. (gasps) Yes, Um, this was creepy. And several people had mentioned that they saw Michael 
stumbling and staggering down the road in the middle of winter. He was not dressed appropriately for the weather. Right. And they noticed that he was bleeding from his forehead. Yeah. And so when someone had pulled over and said, hey, are you all right? Do you need help? All he said was, Sheila. So. And then he kept going and staggering through Epping in the middle of winter. So sad. And people were saying that they had seen her after this. They had seen her throw him down, Mm -hmm. beat him with a stick. Somebody said that it looked like he had internal bleeding. Like, there are signs you can tell with internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. And it looked like he had injuries on his stomach that would have led to internal bleeding. Wow. I think it goes without saying that that was fucked up. And I, I don't know if they ever found his body. No. They only found the birth certificate, and then they found a gun shell casing that they were able to link to him. Right. And that was it. They didn't that find anything else for him. Absolutely fucking terrible. So it's still a mystery as to what Sheila did with with him. Yes. And so this is when, I don't know how she managed to get away, but she, <laughs> sco- she scooped up her rabbits. Well, I mean, I, I've been police. This, this track record here is... <laughs> Listen, I don't want to get us, like, Someone in trouble, but... Someone fell asleep on watch or something. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like Christ on a cross. Jesus. So, here's what happened. Sheila scooped up her little bunny buns. Her and she, she loved them. They would never do anything wrong. And she got the fuck out of there. She... Somehow, so she was on watch during all of this, of course, because, like, hello, there's body parts on her farm, and this is going somewhere, so she's on watch. Mm -hmm. Somehow, that doesn't go over. Bye, (laughs) Sheila. See you tomorrow. (laughs) Good night, Sheila. (laughs) Sweet dreams, little rabbit baby. (laughs) You're packing up your rabbits? Oh, it looks like you're going for a trip. Love that for you. Where are you? Cancun? Oh, my God. (laughs) So she dyed her hair bright red. She withdrew thousands of dollars in cash <laughs> from her inheritance, and she pooped out her bunnies, and <laughs> she flees. Like fleas on a bunny, she got out of there. <laughs> now, she went down to Boston, I believe it was, and she took her little bunnies, and she went to a, like a pet store mm-hmm. and said, can you guys like watch my bunnies? Can you like help me out? And they were like, oh yeah, we love bunnies. Because I mean, I, I'm, that's not like really what happened. That's me guessing with the the words that were no, said. No, but the yeah, they did offer to help. They're they like, did. Oh my gosh, of course. And so they did. Yeah. And so she's. I like to imagine it like she's sitting in the living room petting her bunnies. Yeah. Oh, they let her have. They let her stay the night. You guys. They gave her room yes. and board. Not only just her rabbits, but her too. They let Which her stay very the night. generous. Very generous. It's very nice. They didn't them. do anything wrong. Right. In fact, they did a great thing because they were just sitting there. She, I imagine Sheila's la la la, like petting her bunnies on the sitting on the ground the tv's on and it's the news the 11 o'clock news <laughs> what comes on the news but um a report that dna evidence had come out about the bone fragments that they belonged to kenny isn't that interesting and of course they put her picture up and that she's she's running for the hills mm-hmm. and this couple they must have like looked at each other and looked at her and they're like oh my fucking god we have her under our roof yeah and so, what did they do? 911. What's your emergency? <laughs> and that is how Sheila fucking Labar was apprehended. Her rabbits did her in. <laughs> her prized possessions Those did damn bunnies. <laughs> that was her downfall. And you know what? Thank God. Because this woman, she needed to be stopped. She's sick. I think at this point is maybe the best time to mention the toe bone. 
Yeah. So while they're doing this thorough search of the farm, you know, birth certificate, shell casings linked to Michael, the bone fragments linked to Kenny, they find... So some sources say that they find a couple of toes. Some sources say that they found a toe. Mm -hmm. However, it was, regardless, it was... A part of a foot. A part of a foot from a person. And Hmm. so they're like, okay, obviously this is going to come back with Michael's DNA or Kenny's DNA, of course. Like, hello. Yeah. No. No. It didn't. So now we have a Kenny... A Michael and a toe bone. And a toe bone. Um, and we don't know to this day who this toe bone belongs to, but we know for sure that it does not belong to either one of these men. Yeah. And it's 15 years later. They yeah. still don't know whose toe that is. So that's why it leads us to believe that there is at least another victim. Yeah, and that would make her, by definition, a serial killer. Oh, yeah. So proud for her. 2008 is when she's on trial, finally. Um, this bitch... <laughs> originally pleaded not guilty due Mm. to reasons of insanity. Sure. And there is a psychiatrist, um, I have his name, Dr. Albert Dructinus. He was the state's... I totally butchered that. I'm sorry, Albert. (laughs) He was the state's forensic psychologist. He said he read over 8,000 pages of, like, her record and all that, had more than 12 hours of interviewing with him, and he said she had intense anger and an obsession with pedophilia and paranoia, but she was not insane. No. No. There was definitely some mental illness there, but she knew what she was doing. Yep, she knew enough of what she was doing to be able to serve out the sentence. Oh, yeah. And now, if you'll remember, earlier you said that she was in the mental hospital for, like, schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. That came up again. Mm -hmm. Um, Psychiatrists testified that she was diagnosed with, like, a schizoaffective disorder. Sure. And delusional disorder. Yep. Back when, you know, this, she had tried to kill herself. And so they were like, oh, let's use that. It didn't work. She was definitely sane. Sane, obviously the things she did were not sane. No, but, but she sane was enough sane. that she knew what she was doing and she should be punished for her actions. Oh, yeah. And you guys might remember earlier I talked about James Brackett. Mm-hmm. He testified against her and said he was abused by Labar for about six years. Wow. Wayne Ennis, who was the migrant farm worker whom she married, husband yeah, number right. three, he came back and testified against her, which is so brave, and said that, this is where he said that she asked him to kill Wilfred or Bill Labar. So naturally, her plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, they were like, ha ha. That's out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Um, she was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without parole in 2008. In 2010, she appealed, but it was rejected. Surprise. <laughs> she actually was moved to a Florida prison yep. because she was such a bitch. Yeah, she was hanging out at the women's prison um, up in New Hampshire, and mm-hmm. she was giving them such a hard time. She had some kind of a... So this is a load of bullshit. So she had this order where she got a cup of Coca-Cola to help with her digestive problems. Oh. Like, so fucking spoiled. Like, cut the shit. Yeah, come on now. And so now she's hanging out in Florida, and you know they're not going to do special crap down there. Thank God. She doesn't deserve it. No, like, hello. Yeah, she's been there ever since. Yep. She's, um, she's 58, so she's about, I don't know, uh, mid-60s now. Yeah. Um, I hope she rots. (laughs) She, (laughs) she did some terrible, terrible stuff, and 
you know, one of the things you don't hear about often when you're a true crime fan is women serial killers. Right. So this is definitely a good one. This is a really good one. And usually the stereotype with female serial killers is like, oh, they're a black widow. Right. They're, oh, they're so badass killing men. This is, like, there is no way a sane person could glorify any of that, especially with this case. Yeah. I think a lot of the time when people say that female serial killers, they kind of downplay it and, mm-hmm. oh, you know, they trapped men in their web and a right. black widow. It really downplays their crimes that they committed, the severity of their crimes, and it, it's really a slap in the face of the victims and the victim's family. For, oh, yeah. And it's also a sense of victim blaming. Like, they fell into the web of the black widow. It's right. it's a load of bullshit. Like, I don't agree with any of that shit. And, yeah, she is a female serial killer, and usually it's kind of a man's deal, but... She's definitely a notable New England case that we had to talk about, especially because it's so close to home. They're just like us. <laughs> Anyone could be a serial killer, which is fucking sad. It's crazy. And scary. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. because, like you just said, for us being so close, you know, that always is something that, like, blows your mind. You're it's like... wild. Like, we've both been to that Walmart many a time. So, I literally was there, like, three days ago. Right. I bought oven mitts for my new apartment. <laughs> Did I have to? No, but I did. Sure. That's besides the point. She literally took a man she was abusing and, you know, he physically looked like he was being abused. And she was like, la la la. Yeah. Oh, here, hold Hold the gas cans, Kenny, that I'm going to fill up with gasoline to light you on fire. Hmm. Very sad. It's, it's crazy. In short, that is the case of Sheila Labar, the uh, woman serial killer of New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Um... She's in prison. Hope she stays there forever and ever. That was a tough one, guys. Damn straight. That was, yeah, there was a lot to it. And I mean, thank you, of course, as always, for tuning in and listening because these are not easy to talk about and they're not easy to listen to. And there's a lot of, you guys, we put a lot of research into these cases. Mm -hmm. Um, How, like, our kind of our process. Um, we both will pick a topic, agree on it mutually, and then we both go off on our own and do research. Yeah. So when we talk about it, we kind of have points that we educate each other on. It's, yeah. it's really fun to do, but it is fun. like it's it's a lot of research, and it's yeah, it's it can be kind of heavy sometimes to research these yeah. things. And I mean, we are really doing homework here. Yeah. And so when I was studying for the boards, I was like, okay, I'll do three practice tests and I'll watch eight videos. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going to do um, some research on Sheila Labar and then I'm going to watch a documentary and then I'm going to go do another practice test. Like, it's crazy. It's a lot of work. It is work, but, but this is so much fun. It's so much fun. And it's great to get to just like have you guys listen to our conversation yeah and i wish you could see our faces because like you'll say something and i'll be like no shit and then like the same thing you know it's so much fun because it's like we're educating each other we yeah. both know about the case in different aspects mm-hmm. and so we're we're educating each other in the moment yeah. so i think that's a really fun part of our podcast too yeah so as always thank you so much for listening you can find us on literally anywhere apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and all these little ones around. Um, you can even listen to us on Anchor, um, which is the website that we produce our podcast from. Mm-hmm. So you are more than welcome to listen to that. You can get the link to that 
through our Instagram, which is True Crime NE, which is also our Twitter handle, mm-hmm. both all lowercase. Yes. And you can fo- um, send us emails if you want at truecrimene at gmail.com. We always are looking for some stories. You guys have been sending us DMs, and yeah. we love it. So cool. Even just like personal stuff. Like um, someone had sent us a DM the other day about a case that we're going to cover probably in a few weeks, but it was mm-hmm. their own personal experience. Oh. So that is really cool, too. Yes. Different aspects of, especially if you guys are local, um, just kind of cases that happen around here. Oh, yeah. We love talking about it. And like we said before, if you want credit, like you talked to us, for sure if you don't want it no problem we just want to talk about it we want to bring awareness that's all that matters we just love talking about true crime hell yeah so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week bye bye